Hello everyone, today's episode includes first-hand accounts of nuclear bombings, as well as the effects of that on the human body, and therefore may not be suitable for younger viewers. Parental supervision is advised. American history is full of the good, bad, and everything in between, but in the end, these are our stories. Today's episode will include a discussion on J. Robert Oppenheimer, the Manhattan Project, and the War in the Pacific. So pull up a chair and join your host Jacob for a brand new episode on the atomic bombing of Hiroshima, hell on earth. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the History Book. As always, I am your host Jacob. As the introduction said, today's episode will cover the atomic bombing of Hiroshima at the end of World War II. Before we talk about the dropping of the bomb, we need to talk about Japan during World War II and how we get to the United States using the most powerful weapon known to man at the time. On December 7, 1941, the Empire of Japan launched a surprise attack on the United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor. One day later, President Roosevelt declared, Vice President, Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Hours after the attack, Japan launched an attack on the Philippines and took the island, resulting in the infamous Bataan Death March. During the march, the prisoners were forced to turn over all possessions given little food or water, and were routinely beaten and in several cases shot. The Japanese did not see these men as POWs, but more so captives. Any stragglers on the 60 or so mile march were run over by trucks or killed by quote-unquote cleanup crews. Casualty estimates range from 60 to 650 American and 5,000 to 10,000 Filipino deaths. By April 18, 1942, American airstrikes had reached the Japanese mainland led by Lieutenant Colonel James Doolittle, proving that the Japanese mainland was vulnerable to American strikes, an important moment for our story here. Also proving that James Doolittle has the worst last name ever because he clearly did not do little. On June 4, 1942, the U.S. Navy officially began its offensive attack, an attack that would not stop until the end of the war, when they won a decisive victory at the Battle of Midway. From here, the U.S. began its island-hopping campaign, an operation that would result in bloody savage fighting across each of the Pacific Islands. From August 1942 to February 1943, the U.S. and Allies fought the Battle of Guadalcanal, which was once again another major American victory. By late October 1944, the U.S. had liberated the Philippines with the Battle of Leyte Gulf, resulting in the destruction of almost the entirety of the Japanese naval fleet. U.S. Marines would land on the island of Iwo Jima on February 19, 1945, and intense hand-to-hand -hand combat resulted in massive losses on both sides, with the Americans eventually raising the U.S. flag in an iconic scene captured by the monument. The last major battle of the Pacific Theater and World War II began on April 1st, 1945, when American troops landed on Okinawa and began an 82-day campaign to take the island. Okinawa was seen as a place to launch an invasion of mainland Japan, but the massive losses on the island convinced the U.S. that another option was needed, a nuclear one. 
Right now, we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will talk about the Manhattan Project and the development of the first atomic bomb. Hello everyone, this is Jacob, the host of The History Book, here to remind you that you can find The History Book on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as on our website, www.thehistorybook20.wixsite.com backslash thehistorybook. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to the show. Now, as I was saying, after the Battle of Okinawa, the U.S. had realized that a mainland invasion of Japan would be nearly impossible and would result in the massive amounts of casualties. In its place, the decision was made to drop the first atomic bomb. The discovery of nuclear fission was made by German chemist Otto Hahn and Fritz Strassmann in 1938. Immediate fears were raised that Nazi Germany would develop the new type of bomb first, and a letter was sent to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt in August of 1939, warning of these new bombs. FDR created the Advisory Committee on Uranium to investigate these issues, headed by Lehman Briggs. His committee reported back on October 1939 that uranium would, quote, provide a possible source of bombs with destructiveness vastly greater than anything now known, end quote. On October 9, 1941, Roosevelt approved the atomic programs and placed it under the Army's control. Mind you, the U.S. had still not entered into World War II at that point. The first meeting of this committee met on December 18, 1941, just a few days after Pearl Harbor. Work was divided between the Universities of California, Columbia University, and the Carnegie Institution of Washington. FDR approved the budget of $54 million on June 17, 1942. J. Robert Oppenheimer joined the project soon after to take over research on fast nuclear calculations. By June of 1942, the project had moved to the 18th floor of 270 Broadway in New York and was originally named the Development of Substitute Materials, but was quickly changed to the Manhattan Engineering District, or MED, since the original name may have drawn too much attention. On November 16, 1942, Oppenheimer, John H. Dudley, and Leslie Groves picked the land surrounding Los Alamos as a test site, and this was approved for purchase of $440,000. This site would be referred to as Site Y, or The Hill, and children born during the war in Los Alamos would have the address P.O. Box 1663, Santa Fe, to keep the site secret. Once development was complete, the bomb was taken to the Trinity site, where the test would be conducted, codenamed Trinity. Kenneth Bainbridge selected the bombing range near Alamogordo Army Airfield for the test. On July 16, 1945, the bomb, nicknamed the Gadget, was lifted to the top of a 100-foot steel tower to better signify the dropping out of a bomber. In a bunker to observe was Benadir Bush, James Chadwick, James Connat, Thomas Farrell, Enrico Fermi, Richard Feynman, Leslie Groves, J. Robert Oppenheimer, Jeffrey Taylor, Richard Tolman, and John von Neumann. At 529, Mount West time, the device exploded. The blast sent an energy equivalent of 22 kilotons of TNT and left a mildly radioactive light green glass called trinite. The crater from the blast was 4.7 feet deep and 88 yards wide. The shockwave took over 40 seconds to reach the observers and was felt over 100 miles away, with a mushroom crowd reaching 7.5 miles into the air. J. Robert Oppenheimer would later say, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. 
Groves would have the Second Air Force issue a press release blaming the lights and the blast on a large ammunition magazine blowing up. Notification of the successful explosion was sent to President Harry S. Truman soon after the blast. As an aside, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had died previous to this detonation. Prior to the bomb dropping, leaflets were constantly being dropped across major Japanese cities, with the last batch most likely hitting Hiroshima late July or early August. Little Boy Bomb was ready for liftoff on July 24th and was taken aboard the USS Indianapolis, arriving in Tinan on July 26, 1945. Right now, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we will discuss the explosion of Little Boy and the aftermath. Thanks for staying tuned through that brief ad break. At the time of the first atomic bomb, Hiroshima was an industrial center and headquarters to the southern Japanese army. The population of the city was around 340,000 to about 350,000. Prior to the bomb dropping, the U.S. had taken the city off of its firebombing target list, leaving many residents wondering if the city was being saved to be used as headquarters for the U.S. invasion force, or if relatives in Hawaii and California had petitioned the U.S. government to finally stop firebombing their relatives and their city. The Enola Gay took flight on August 6, 1945 with Little Boy on board. Paul Tibbetts flew the plane as Rear Admiral William Parsons armed the bomb mid-flight so not to risk any disasters in takeoff. The Enola Gay was given the call sign Dimples 82 under Special Mission 13. During the night of the 5th and the 6th of August, the Japanese had picked up on some American aircraft approaching southern Japan, but gave the all-clear at 12.05 a.m., only to put out another alert an hour before the bombing and giving another all-clear at 7.09 a.m. An hour later at 8.09, Tibbet started his bombing run and handed controls over to Major Thomas Furby. Little Boy was released at 8.15 a.m. It took 44.4 seconds for it to fall from 31,000 feet to the 1,900 feet detonation target. The Enola Gay was 11.5 miles away before it even felt any shockwaves. Due to a strong crosswind, the bomb missed its aiming point of Anoi Bridge and exploded directly over Shima Surgical Clinic. The bomb released an equivalent energy of around 16 kilotons of TNT with a blast radius of about a mile, creating fires across 4.4 square miles. On the ground, the citizens of Hiroshima had gone back to their daily activities after the all-clear was given at 7.09. But when the bomb dropped, they reported a bright flash of light followed by a loud boom. 70,000 to 80,000 people were killed by the bomb and the resulting firestorm with another 70,000 injured. Japanese officials reported that 69% of the buildings were destroyed with another 6-7% damaged. Japan had, and still has, a history of earthquakes. So, reinforced concrete buildings did not collapse, even though they were very close to ground zero. 90% of the doctors and 93% of the nurses were killed or injured by the blast, with some 3,243 Japanese troops killed on the parade grounds of Hiroshima Castle. Unfortunately, 10 American men imprisoned in Hiroshima were killed by the blast from their own country, while two badly injured airmen were taken to the bridge and stoned to death by the Kempi Tai. Japanese officials in Tokyo were confused when the radio signal in Hiroshima went dead, but didn't think it was anything serious. 
a young staff officer was tasked with flying to the city, landing, surveying the damage, and reporting back to headquarters. He landed south of the city and reported back, but the first indication that the city had been destroyed was President Truman's statement that said, quote, We may be grateful to Providence that the German atomic bomb project had failed and the United States and its allies had spent $2 billion on the greatest scientific gamble in history and won, end quote. President Truman also urged the Japanese to surrender, saying, If they do not now accept our terms, they may expect a reign of ruin from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth. The Japanese government refused to surrender, despite the reports coming back on August 7th that the city had in fact been destroyed by a nuclear bomb and the Soviet Union had declared war on Japan. Three days later, at 11.01 a.m., the Fat Man bomb was dropped on Nagasaki. The Japanese would surrender on August 15th. Right now, we're going to take a brief music break, and when we come back, we will wrap up the episode, and we'll talk about what's coming next. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I'm happy to say that at the end of the July, the History Book officially hit its one-year podcast anniversary. I just wanted to take this moment to let you all know how appreciative I am of all of you, not only for just listening to the episode, but also for your tweets and Facebook posts and your constant encouragement. I also want to let you all know that you can now buy your own History Book t-shirts, coffee mugs, koozies, and even phone cases over at Zazzle. The link is in the History Book's Twitter and Facebook. You can also order even more of the buttons still available on TR Historical. With all that being said, the next episode will be on August 18th, and that episode will be the 19th Amendment on account of sex. Until then, this has been Jake with the History Book, and I'll see you next time.